You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. So glad that you're here this morning. My name is Tony, and uh, one of the pastors here at, at, at LifePoint. Um, just wanted to let you know our pastor, Pastor Drew, is actually right now he's in Israel. He's in Jerusalem. Um, which has just been so great for him. Uh, he was given the opportunity, someone paid his way to go to Israel. And so uh, I just think it's amazing that our pastor can leave and feel comfortable leaving and uh, not worry that everything's going to fall apart behind um, and that he can uh, just go and get away and spend some time with the Lord and uh, learn about the history and walk the places that Jesus walked. Uh, he sent me a video this last week of uh, on a, he was on a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and a big storm was coming up <laughs> on him. And so um, he got to really, he, he said, man, it's insane to think about Jesus actually walking on these waves. I'm sure he'll tell us all about it. But it's, a, it's really, really, really neat that he could, uh, he could go do that. God's really giving some fresh vision, some fresh insight. And uh, so can we just pray for him as a church quick right now? God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the gift our pastor and, and Pastor Tanya as well. Lord, we just thank you for them, and we thank you for what a gift they are to this church. And Lord, we pray right now, God, uh, for Pastor Drew, God, I pray that you just give him fresh insight, discernment, God, direction. I pray, Holy Spirit, you just light a new fire of revival in his heart, God, for the things that you, you desire to see come to fruition in Ames, Iowa. And so, Lord, we just bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week, Pastor Drew, he started a new series entitled Ready for Messiah. It's our, our Christmas series. Throughout this series, we're going to look at the different messianic prophecies about the Messiah. And um, because I think it's important um, for us as a people still to be looking and watching for God to move even amongst us now. I think sometimes we look throughout history, we look back on the things that have happened, we look uh, at, read about people in the Bible, and we, we kind of look back almost with an arrogance of like, how, how come they couldn't see it? It was so obvious. Or you look at the disciples and you're like, man, they were walking with Jesus and they just missed it. They're always missing it. How? And I, I think that many of us would have operated in the same way that we saw them. And even still today, I think we get caught up in things and we're missing what God is doing among us. We want to be ready. We want to be ready. I want to be ready for Jesus. Not, I'm not just talking about a second coming. We want to be ready for that, but we want to be ready for what he wants to do in and through your life today. You know, a couple years ago, I had a, I had a dream, a literal dream I was, at night while I was sleeping. And uh, that doesn't happen to me a lot where I feel like I get a dream from the Lord. A lot of times it's a dream that I wake up and I was like, okay, I got to stop eating pizza rolls before I go to bed. <laughs> it's not a good idea, right? But that was not one of these dreams. I woke up from this dream really asking God, what does this mean for me? In this dream, at that time in my life, we were, we were full-time missionaries in Chi Alpha, so I was traveling around, speaking a lot of different places and raising support and things like that. And in my dream, 
I was getting ready to speak at this church, and it was a huge church, 35, 4,000 person, 3,500, 4,000 seat auditorium, just this huge church. And I remember walking in my dream, walking into the church, and I have this thought is, I have no idea what I'm going to say. I have no idea what I'm supposed to, to communicate to these people. And so I'm in the lobby, and I'm up, I'm, I have my Bible. And I remember in the dream, I cra- I'm about to crack open the Bible, and somebody comes up and talks to me. And so I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to. And then I was going to do it. I was going to crack open my Bible again, and I, I thought, oh, I better go to the bathroom quick before, before the service starts. So I go into the bathroom and come out, and then all of a sudden service is starting, and I have no word for the people. I have nothing. And I remember sitting there in the dream and sitting there through worship, just thinking, God, what? I have no idea what I'm going to say. And I look over, and there's my brother, Drew, and I said, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, I have the missionary window. They're giving me a, a five-minute missionary window that I'm going to share about what God's doing at ISU Chi Alpha. And I thought, oh, that's great. And I remember in the dream, it was after the offering, the, Drew gets up, and he starts sharing about what God is doing at ISU. And then he said, man, can I just take a moment? I have a word burning in my heart. And he starts sharing this word with the people. And <laughs> this place is packed. And I remember in the dream looking around, and people are like falling out of their chairs and screaming and hooting and hollering, and people start rushing down to the altars. And I'm like, and the service just gets way out of control and way out of hand, and God starts moving. And I didn't even get up to speak at all. And I woke up, and I thought, what was that? And I had the thought that many of you are thinking, God, am I jealous of my brother? (laughs) But I came to realize soon after that that it was nothing to do with that. God began to show me that from the moment I gave my life to Jesus, an amazing example of a man who seeks after the heart of God has been my brother. A man who who knows intimacy with him, that, that, that seeks the Lord when no one else is watching, who walks in integrity, and God was showing me that this, it's, it was about intimacy. And he, and he spoke to me in that moment. He said, Tony, I've got so many things for you. But if you're not ready, I'll find someone else. And I said, God, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. And in our daily lives, as we walk with God, there's things that he wants to interrupt your day with every single day. And we want to be ready. We want to be filled up and on fire for him. We want to be open and receptive to what Holy Spirit is speaking to our lives every day. And not that walking in this condemnation that we're going to miss it, but that we'll simply say, God, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Scripture we're going to look at this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. But the, the prophecy we're going to look at this morning is Isaiah chapter 7. It's about the, the virgin birth. People were calling me this week, and they said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm studying up on virginity. What are you doing? And I just left it at that. They're like, okay. Isaiah 7, verse 14, prophesies about how this Messiah will come. It says this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign 
Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. All throughout Scripture, we see these signs, these indicators of what the Messiah will do, what he will be like, where he will come from, so that when he came, the people would be ready and they wouldn't miss it. And it was important that Jesus was born of a virgin birth because his life on this earth began in a miraculous way and ended in a miraculous way. But Jesus needed to be born of a virgin because he needed to be fully man, but he also needed to be fully human, fully God and fully human, so that he could relate to us and be tempted in all the same ways that you and I. Do you know that, that he dealt with the same thoughts that you and I deal with? The same temptations that you and I deal with. But Jesus overcame them all. He never fell into the sin. And he had to do that because it was the only way to accomplish living a sinless life so that he could die the perfect sacrifice for our sin. So that our sin could be removed, that you and I could have relationship, right relationship with God because our sin had been removed and now we are blameless before him. But he had to, he had to come from a virgin. And so we're gonna read through this just insane story. Um, but this morning, really what I wanna talk about is God's promise. And when I say promise, I don't just mean the promises that we see throughout scripture for us, but I mean his plan for humanity, his plan for you, his plan for your family. I mean his favor on your life. I mean your potential in him, what God sees when he looks at your little life, as well as God's plan. God's promise. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says that Jesus, who the joy set before him, endured the cross. I remember the first time I read that, it seemed weird because joy seems like, happy, seems like happiness. We, we, we equate it with happiness, but joy is, is, is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy comes from the Lord. Joy comes from seeing beyond the current circumstance to what is beyond the circumstance and the promise on the other side. And Jesus went to the cross, and he wasn't hopping and skipping to the cross but he went because he saw the promise on the other side, the redemption of humanity, a transformed people. He saw Holy Spirit being able to come and live inside of us again and be upon us so we could walk in power and authority every single day of our lives. And that's what Jesus saw, the promise. So, but it all starts here in Luke chapter one. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. Luke chapter 1 says, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from, the, from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
And he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the, the Holy Spirit will come, upon, uh, come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child is to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So we're gonna work our way through this scripture this morning, but this is a pretty wild story. It's a pretty wild story. I mean, there's a lot of wild stories in the Bible, but this is, this is a pretty wild one. So in the first few verses, here's Mary minding her own business, right? And the angel Gabriel came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled. Man, this is, first of all, I've heard, you know, uh, you think about an angel appearing to you at all, and that would just be very frightening to see, you know, we don't expect that to happen in our day, every day. But he says, greetings. Really, it's translated rejoice. Rejoice. You are favored, meaning that God is actually, God is kind to you. God is being kind to you. God has shown kindness to you. And he's gonna be with you. That phrase, he's gonna be with you, the Lord is with you, has been used throughout all scripture. And Mary knew exactly what this meant. God spoke this to people as soon as he was gonna take them on a wild ride. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm gonna be with you. And so, of course, she's gonna be troubled. Of course she's gonna be troubled. She knew when God said, I'm gonna be with you, he said, we're gonna go, we're gonna, go, uh, we're gonna cross the sea and God's gonna open it up for you and you're gonna lead the people across. We're gonna go into this battle and we're greatly outnumbered, but don't worry, God's gonna be with you. She knew God was gonna be with her and she was in for a wild ride. I want you to know the promises of God on your life, the dreams that God, the plan that God has on your life should trouble you. It should be so big, it's, it's, it scares you. Not in a way that you're fearful, but in a way that, that says, God, I, I cannot, this is impossible. This is impossible. Heidi Baker says, if your dream doesn't trouble you, you're in trouble. And I think often we play it safe. We play it safe and we downplay God's promise of your life. Just even the simple things that God wants to transform you and free you from addictions. That God wants to use your life at your job. We say, no, 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 no. That you could lead your family spiritually. And we're troubled at the thought of what the potential, the, the possible potential of our life. There's no way. There's no way. What I love about kids is they dream big, don't they? You ask a kid what they want to be when they grow up. Um, they have big dreams. My daughter, she's five. She said, Dad, I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to have 26 kids, and I'm going to be a veterinarian. I said, well, you must not like sleeping at all. <laughs> or money. <laughs> I 
I love that about kids. I, that's what God loves about kids. And just like Joshua was talking to this morning about this, is that kids have this way about them of, of saying, of not seeing the impossibilities of things about, but seeing what is possible. What is possible with my life? You know, this weekend, uh, one of my heroes of the faith, Reinhard Bonnke, died. And if you ever get a chance to read his autobiography, Living a Life of Fire, please do it. It'll change your life. Um, his audio book is even better because he reads it. And so you can just hear it in, his, in his, way, his voice, the way that he talks. But God gave him a dream at one point. It said a blood-soaked South Africa, that South Africa would be saved. And then at one time, God said, you're going to see a million souls come to know Jesus. And he said, that's awesome. He said, no, in one service. And it happened. But that dream that God gave him troubled him. And if you, if you don't have a pulse, uh, if you have a pulse, it should trouble you, right? Say, no, God, I don't, I don't think that's possible. And he's gone to be the Lord. Over 75 million people give their life to the Lord because of his life. His obedience to God, his obedience to this call, this plan. But the dreams of God should trouble you. They should bring us to this place of humility. This is God. If you say it, then it must be so, but I don't see this, so would you help me see? And I think that some of us, we want to see. We say, God, help me see, but I don't want to have to change. <laughs> help me see, but I don't want to be un uncomfortable or inconvenienced. We can't have it both ways. So in verse 30, I love it, because this is the way that the angel tries to make it better. He says, don't, oh yeah, sorry, I missed that. You can put that up. That's what I uh, saw this week, I forgot about that. I have a plan for your life, what it feels like, this is what it feels like, awesome. Forgot about that. Awesome, you can take that down. In verse 30, it says, he says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. Again, he reiterates, reiterates that God is being kind to you. I love it. This is the way of the angel's way of calming her down, you know. In the, in the Greek, when it says she's troubled, she's very upset by this greeting. And he says, no, Mary, don't worry. This is great. You're pregnant. You're going to be pregnant. Isn't that awesome? And she's like, what? I mean, imagine this situation. Put yourself in her shoes, right? God's being kind to you. You're, you're a virgin, and you're not, you're engaged to be married. So you're not even married. You're going to be pregnant. Can you imagine if your 14-year-old daughter came up to you and said, Dad, you'll never guess what happened. An angel came up to me. Appeared to me, for real, appeared to me. And you'd be like, okay, great, awesome, that happens. Said, I'm gonna be pregnant. Isn't that great? Isn't that amazing? And it's not just with any child, it's the Messiah. <laughs> the one we've been longing for, for all these years. We'd be like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. She should be troubled. She should be upset. And I love the hope that the, uh, the angel, he doesn't even see necessarily the negativity in any of this. 
All he sees is the promises being delivered. The Messiah, who we've been longing for, is coming. Isn't that great? But you know that God's dreams for your life, the things that he's called you to, are going to cost you something. They're going to cost you something. And I don't mean in a transactional way, but it might cost you reputation. It might cost you a promotion. It might cost, cost you being inconvenienced or uncomfortable. It might cost you being annoyed. If you want patience in your life, don't ask God for patience because he'll send people in your life. (laughs) A dream will cost us something. And like I said, a lot of us say, God, I won't do whatever you want. Except for that, we draw a line in the sand. And the enemy would seek to kill the dream before it reaches full term. To see that it would never come to fruition. But it's going to cost us something. Listen, I talk to people every single week that long for more in their life, but they're not willing to do what it takes. And maybe God's saying, for a time in your life, would you get up early and seek my face? For a time, would you give beyond what you normally give? Would you be bold in times in your life where you're not normally bold? Would you choose life instead of negativity and thought patterns? But a lot of times I see people aren't willing to do what it takes. A dream from the Lord, God's promise will cost you something. A surrendered life. So then Mary said what we would have all said. How can this be since I'm a virgin? This is impossible. This is impossible. I thank God that he reveals his plan for us in phases throughout our life. If we give our life to the Lord, if God would have ever told me I would have been speaking in front of people, I would have said, that's insane to me, that's crazy. I could sing the Star Spangled Banner, but don't make me say anything in front of people. But God reveals these things to us in phases, and I thank thank him for that, because oftentimes when God reveals to us things in our life that he wants to do with us, we we say, oh, that's really cool, but what about this part of my life? What about this? What about my past? What about the family that I grew up in? What about all these areas that I lack? When God says yes and amen, and we say, well, what about this? And we, we make our situation the exception. We say, God, I can see you could do that in somebody else's life. But my life is particularly complicated. My life is particularly busy. My past is particularly shameful. And God says, those aren't the things that I care about. He just wants a submitted, surrendered life. Submitted, surrendered life. And not us looking at situations and circumstances and making excuses for ourselves. You know, uh, when our, our son, when we got pregnant with our son, Dean, he was just such a symbol of God's promise for us. Such a symbol of restoration and God's love and mercy on us and 
There were specific things that God spoke to us about the pregnancy and his birth and his life. Not, not like that we're reading here, but. <laughs> but one of the things that we were praying, we're like, God, we pray for a smooth pregnancy, smooth delivery, that he would be born in the hospital naturally, free of complications, that he would be 100% healthy. Midway through our, our pregnancy, um, we got some bad news. We, there was a, something wrong, and they said, there's no way that you're, you're going to be able to give birth to this, this child. Um, naturally, you're going to have to get a C-section. And so we, we took that report, and we said, we appreciate, we appreciate that, and, and we obviously didn't say anything to the doctor, but we went home, and we kept praying. We said, God, no, we're believing that your word is true. We, we pray, God, we pray for this child. We pray for Kayla's body. We pray, we pray all these things. We pray for, for healing. We pray you correct these things. And doctor visit after doctor visit. No, it's actually worse. Yeah, for sure, C-section, which we know that's, that wouldn't be the end of the world. It's not like a subpar uh, um, birth or anything like that. But just we felt like, man, this is what God was saying. Finally, Dean's almost full term and, Doctor says, yep, no, this is for sure going to be, we're going to schedule the, schedule the C-section. Well, right before we're going to go in, and we kept praying this whole time, God, make it right, make it right, make it right, make it right. We're not going to accept this circumstance. And right before uh, we went in, they checked her again, and the doctor said, I don't, I don't know what happened, but everything's totally fine. <laughs> and uh, we're going to, you can... We don't have to do the scheduled C-section. We're going to give birth to this child. And May 31st, a year and a half ago, my wife, with three pushes, gave birth to our son. But you've seen him. He's a beast. He's a beast. It's holding on to the promise. It's holding on to God's best. However Dean would have come, we would have been happy with him. What a gift. But we just felt for that particular moment, God, this is what we believe that you want, and we're going to keep going for it. We're going to keep going to the very end. Well, right after Dean was born, my wife broke out in um, these sores all over her body from, from the neck down, palms of her, her hands, the bottoms of her feet, everywhere. And the doctors had no idea what was going on. It was horrendous pain. The only thing that would ease it, she would take an oatmeal bath, and that would be the only thing that would ease it, but she swelled up like crazy. She had to wear um, men's sandals. Those were the only things that would fit because they were so swollen. She had these sores all over. No relief, and the doctors could not figure it out. They took a biopsy. They said, well, we, we think it might be this disorder that you might have to live with for the rest of your life. And every month, when it's that time of the month, you're, gonna have, you're most likely going to have a flare-up and, and deal with this. And so again, we're just like, God, no, no, we're not going to accept this report. We're going to pray, we're going to ask you, Lord, heal, heal, heal in Jesus' name. Even though the situation isn't building faith. We look at her and we think, 
man, it's worse than yesterday. God, no, no, we're believing it. We're believing it. One day, some women came over to our house from our church, and they said, it felt like the Lord told us we're supposed to pray three times. And after each time, you go and check yourself in the bathroom. And so they came over, and we, we prayed, anointed her with oil. She went in, and the bathroom checked herself. Everything was the same. Prayed again. She went, went back, and everything was the same. Nothing had changed. I prayed again. Went and checked herself. Everything was the same. Nothing happened. They left. Again, we're like, God, no, we just believe that, that you're going to heal her. About an hour later, we're getting ready to leave. And she's going to put her shoes on. And she looks down and she screams. <laughs> I mean, I wish you could have seen her feet. But they, all the swelling had completely left. And, all, and then she looked at herself. And all the sores that were, I'm sorry this grows you out, but they were like oozing and open. All of a sudden, they're all, he, they're all healing. In just an hour. In just an hour. And Within the week, that was gone. Doctor said she's probably going to have scars everywhere, not one scar throughout her whole body. We read later, the angel says, encourages her with this. He says that for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And it's in that place of intimacy where we get to know him more and we grow in our relationship with him. You cannot trust someone you don't know. That's why we grow simply in that place of intimacy and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And then the situations and circumstances can arise, the waves can, can come all around us, but we say, God, I'm focused on you, I'm fixed on you. You define my situation. I'm gonna trust your promises and not the report of this world, not the report of the enemy. God says yes and amen to every one of his promises. And then the angel answered her, in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child will be born and he will be called Holy, the Son of God. He will overshadow you. He is going to make a way where there is no way, where it seems impossible. And notice the angel doesn't give her the details about how this is all going to occur, right? But just that God is going to come and he is going to consume you. He's going to envelop you. He's going to be all around you. And that's what you need to know. That's the only thing you really need to know. And then when the time comes, God will show you what you need to do. He'll give you the information that you need to know. But what you need to know right now is that God is going to be with you. And I love that word overshadow. It means to like consume you. It's going to be all over you. It's like in the Old Testament when the cloud would come down, the pillar of uh, the, the cloud would come down and it would rest on a people. It's going to overshadow you. It's going to be all around you. And God's presence marks us. When we spend time with him, it marks us, it changes us, and people are gonna notice, like when Moses came down from the mountain and his face shone like an angel. Or when the disciples were testifying before the Sanhedrin and they could say, these people have been in the presence of Jesus. His, his presence will mark your life. It will be all around you. I love that word, overshadow you. It means it kind of blocks out everything else. 
All you need to do is just look around you at what God is doing. Focus and fix your attention on him. And he will give you what you need. You know, about, it's about seven and a half years ago, my wife and I, we were minding our own business in Fargo, North Dakota. And we were on staff with Chi Alpha there, experiencing revival. Six, seven hundred students were coming out every single week on two campuses, experiencing the presence of God. Amazing things were happening. We were loving life in Fargo. My wife still to this day said, I thought we would never, we were never gonna leave Fargo. We'd be there for the rest of our lives. That's where I grew up. All our friends and our family were there. We both had these jobs that we just loved. It was amazing. And uh, while we were there, my brother Drew was a nuclear engineer in Seattle and found out there's a group of students here at ISU that wanted Chi Alpha and we're going to start a student organization. And they prayed about, him and Tanya prayed about coming here and they came here to start um, the second Chi Alpha in Iowa. It's still going to this day. It's nice, it's strong, it's awesome. And so I said, man, that's so great for you guys. Iowa, okay. <laughs> it's like, don't you have to drive 65 through Iowa? <laughs> but you guys, whatever you guys think, that's great. It's January of that year, 2012. We were at our winter conference and the then state director came up to me, said, Tony, would you pray about coming, would you consider coming to Iowa City, to the University of Iowa, where there is no Chi Alpha, would you consider coming to the University of Iowa, planting and pioneering Chi Alpha there? And he's a very intense, very persuasive person, looks you in the eye, here's the deal, right? I said, oh man, thank you so much for considering us, oh, that's such an honor, no. No, we have no interest in that. No interest in that. He said, would you pray about it? And I said, yes. And I did, but to be honest with you, it was obligatory prayers, right? God, you want us to go? No, okay, great, sounds good. I'm just being honest with you. That year, Chi Alpha was launching at ISU, and uh, at February, we had the opportunity to come drive down to Iowa State, see what God was doing with Chi Alpha and, and, and share at one of their meetings. And we thought, well, let's just go over to Iowa City and see what's going on. So we drove over there, we walked around campus, we looked around and we left. We didn't hear the voice of God, but we said, hmm, maybe God, maybe you do wanna do something here. And maybe we're part of that, I don't know. But I don't wanna miss it. I don't want to miss it. So let's pray about it. Let's actually pray about it. So we began to pray about it. And I, I remember like so, so quickly, I was like, God, do you want us to go to Iowa? And he said, yes. I said, God, do you want us to go to Iowa? <laughs> yes. Oh, I should keep asking. <laughs> I'll keep asking. Maybe he'll change his mind. And I said, oh, to be honest with you, that the wrestling that occurred, I said, God, I don't want to go to Iowa. I really don't. And he said, Tony, I'm not asking if you want to. I'm asking if you will. I remember it was Easter of that year. We're driving home, and Kayla goes, we're going to move to Iowa, aren't we? 
Yeah, I think we are. But dreams cost you something. And if they're born of God, it doesn't matter what the things of this world are going to throw at you. You have to stay true to the course. So we've never been missionaries before. So we said, okay, God, this is your deal. This was your idea, not mine. So you're going to have to make a way for us. You're going to have to make a way for us. I remember telling mentors in my life, leaders in my life, hoping they would be excited and they were not excited. In fact, I had people that I loved and respected. I said, Tony, you're making a huge mistake. Don't, you, you, you don't want to do this. You don't want to leave. What are they offering you there? And I, I remember laughing. They're offering that we would raise a budget. <laughs> we would raise, they're offering we raise $50,000. That's what they're offering us. <laughs> I mean, they're not offering us anything. This was my idea. I'd honestly still, if God said, you don't have to do this, I'd be like, awesome. But I remember I met with some of my, my mentors, and they said, in, a, in this meeting, they said, this is a bad idea. This is the wrong thing. You're doing the wrong thing. I remember that night I went home. And I should be in a crowd to the Lord. So I just got, I, I don't get this. I don't get this. I thought this is what you want to do, and now these people I love and respect are saying this is the wrong thing. So I said, I've never done this. I hadn't done this ever before, and I've still not done this since. But I said, God, if you want us to do this, we need to raise a budget. And I've not told anyone else that we're going to do this. So, God, if you want us to do this in the next week, would you just have somebody give me $500? And then I went to sleep. Two days later, I was in a prayer meeting. A friend of mine walked up to me. He said, Tony, I have some prayer this week. God told me that I need to give you this money. I'm not sure what it's for. I'm supposed to give it to you. Give me a check for $500. Yeah, I looked just stunned. A couple days later, we had church. The next morning, I came into the office. Diane, our secretary, said, Tony, there was some money that came for you, or there's something that came for you in the offering. I opened it up. It was an envelope. I opened it up. There's $500 cash in the envelope. And the envelope didn't, it was not marked by anyone. All it said was, you who have been faithful with little, will be given much. And so I said, oh, all right, God. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And God helped us raise our budget in two and a half months. That August, we found ourselves showing up to an apartment that we had never seen before, opening a moving truck to people we did not know. And we started this adventure. We didn't know anyone there. We'd only been there twice. We said, all right, here we go. We didn't know one student. And I remember one night, you know, there are points along the, the path as we stay faithful with God that there's these times of testing that come that we say, do you believe me? Where God says, do you believe me? Do you believe me? And it's in the times of difficulty that we know how much we actually trust him. I remember one night my wife, she decided she was going to go up to her parents for a couple days, and I was at home. 
And I was just completely alone, and it felt like I was the only person in the universe. And I remember sitting there alone, and I, it was like my aloneness was just amplified, and I said, why did I do this? This stinks. I don't have any friends. This isn't fun. And so I just got down on my face before the Lord. And I said, God, just rekindle the flame. Rekindle it again. God said, I want you to go. Go to downtown Iowa City. It was a Friday night. And I went down to downtown Iowa City, and there was just thousands of people, just thousands of people, just parting their life away, having a great time, and my heart just began to break. I could hear the roar even as I was coming into town. And God said, this is why you're here. This is why you're here. The next week, I met a student named John, who John was unsure whether he was gonna serve the Lord at all. And we met and we talked and we started hanging out. I felt bad for him because I knew one student and I was like pumped, right? I was like, so John, what are you doing, man? He's like, hey, we just hung out this morning. It's like, yeah, I know, what's up? Wanna, wanna get coffee? But we met and we began to talk and later that week, John was in my office and we were praying. He said, I, this week I had a vision of Jesus that I was standing before Jesus, just giving my life to him completely. And we prayed for John to rededicate his life to the Lord and he got baptized in the Holy Spirit in that moment. And that was the first student of many. And God began to do a work. Now Alyssa Stroh is there carrying on the work. It's so awesome. God's presence will mark you. It will do something to you. It'll change you. You cannot go into his presence and leave unchanged. It will do something to your heart. When we pray radical prayers, God will answer I love Mary's response. In verse 38, it says this, and Mary said, behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. This, this angel had just told her twice, you're favored, you're highly favored. So she could have got a big head, but she said, Lord, I'm your servant. She went to the, low, she went to the lowest place, I'm your servant, and I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And worship team, you can come. And I pray that that's what God, the heart that God wants us to have. It's his heart that just says, God, I want what you want. I don't always have to understand it. I don't always have to know what's coming next. But God, I just want what you want. The promises for my life that you speak over me are yes and amen. And I'm not gonna grow weary. I'm not gonna grow discouraged. And I think for some of you in this place, God has spoken things over you or there's dreams that have been in your heart and maybe the worries of life, the difficulties of life have stomped on that. And you've given up or you're at the place where you're ready to give up. I think God is saying keep going, keep going. He wants to, he wants to, to, to resurrect that dream in your life. And I'm not talking about like like I, when I was a kid, I had a dream of being a shortstop for the Twins. I'm not talking about that, right? But maybe you have a, a, a son or a daughter that's away from the Lord. Maybe you have a spouse that's away from the Lord. And maybe you've kind of given up. You say, God, they're never gonna come to know you. God wants to resurrect that hope in your heart. 
Maybe there's been something specific that God has said, this is what I want you to do. But the worries of life have stolen it, whatever it is. God wants to resurrect that in your heart. Maybe God has called you to something specific. There are people I believe in this place that God has called you to the mission field. And you say, how can this be? Look at my life, look at me. When we read all throughout scripture of God using very unlikely people and saying, don't worry, because I'm gonna be with you. And that's all you need. Maybe you've struggled in an area of sin for years and years and years and you just think, this is my lot in life. This is just who I am. God wants to rekindle that hope in you. There's freedom for you. He's called you to freedom. Galatians 5 said he's called you to freedom. That means he's called you by name to walk in freedom. And we just say, God, I'm yours. I want what you want. I'm your servant. Whatever you say, that's what I want. That's what I want. I hope you know today this isn't some raw, raw hype message. Be a better you. That's not it at all. It's just that I, I believe that we sell ourselves so short when we don't see ourselves the way that God sees us. Or we don't see the situations in our life the way that see, he sees them. And I pray, God, give me a heavenly perspective on earthly situations. Give me a heavenly perspective on people in my life. Help me to see past the hard exterior. Help me to see past the hopelessness in my job, the day-to-day, but reignite a fire and a passion in my heart for people to come to know you. Use my life for this vapor, this, this moment, this blink of an eye that we're on this planet. God, use my life. Use my life to mark it, to mark this world. We can stand across this place. We're gonna pray and then Paige is gonna lead us. Anytime there's a group of this size, there's a good chance that there's people in the room that need to get their life right with the Lord. You know, I was 20 years old and I, I was a drug addict and an alcoholic. I thought about blowing my brains out almost every day and Jesus transformed me and changed me. He transformed and changed me. And I'm not unique and that God only wanted to do that for me. That's available for any, any human being that calls on the Lord. So if you're here this morning, I'm gonna ask that you raise your hand in response to this question, and it's not to embarrass you or call you out or make you do anything weird. I just wanna pray for you. I wanna know who I'm praying for. So if you're in this place, and you're, you're like, you know what, I, I'm far away from God. I'm not, I'm not where I need to be, and I need to get my life right with the Lord. Or maybe you, you, you've had a relationship with Him in the past, but it's just grown cold and stagnant, and you need to get your life right with the Lord this morning. Would you just put your hand up? I wanna pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Is there anybody else? Appreciate your hands, you can put those down. I wanna pray for you, I want you to say a prayer like I'm praying in your own, in your own heart, I want you to say a prayer like it. Church, as, I, as we pray, would you just begin to intercede for these, these people that lifted their hands, several people in this room. And then I'll pray for all of us. So just agree with me. Jesus, I, I recognize that I am not where I need to be, that I'm far away from you, God. That my life is not right. And I'm in desperate need of you, Jesus. I'm in desperate need of a savior. 
And so God, we just thank you for sending your son Jesus who lived a perfect life and died a humiliating death on a cross only to be raised to life on the third day so we could experience freedom from sin, freedom from bondage, and have the Holy Spirit living inside of us so we can walk in power and authority every single day. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name you'd mark each one of these people that raise their hand. We pray that this seed which they're sowing now would fall on good soil in Jesus' name, that roots would go down deep in Jesus' name. And Lord, anything in this world that we've been seeking after, we stop pursuing those things, and now we start pursuing you, Jesus. We turn from those and we just pursue you, Jesus, with everything that we are. And we don't look back. We don't look back. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for this morning and what I believe you're doing in this room. That we are people of your presence and we believe in this gospel that transforms a life. And we believe, Holy Spirit, that you're still moving among us. And Lord, I thank you for the times when we're able to look back on our lives and see the times that, you're moving, that you've moved. But Lord, I want to be aware in the moment when you're moving. I want to be able to see it in the moment. So God, would you open up our eyes to see, open up our ears to hear, open up our hearts, God. Would we remain tender to you, Holy Spirit, every single day that we walk on this planet in Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, I pray for dreams that have died in this place, promises that we stop believing plans of yours that we stop believing. I pray you resurrect those things in Jesus' name. I pray hope, God, would just be breathed in this place. And not a hope that of like holding onto our seats, hoping that it'll happen, but a hope that is grounded in the truth of God. The hope, God, that is an anchor for us. That's not tossed to and fro, but is deeply rooted in you, Jesus. God, even right now in this place, you're calling people to things, you're speaking things to people that is troublesome to them. But Lord, let us never play it safe. believe right now the Holy Spirit's speaking to somebody very clearly. Whatever he's speaking, I want you to write, write that down so you don't forget it. God, you're resurrecting things now. Lord, we just choose right now to believe your truth. We choose to believe the report of the Lord. Not the report of this world, not the report of the enemy. We just bind any lie that the enemy would come with. We pray the truth of God would rise above anything else, any, any other noise. And Lord, we, we, we count the cost, but Lord, we say right now, Lord, we say we're willing to do anything. We're willing to do anything for you, Jesus. And we know that's a scary prayer to pray, but God, we're willing to do anything for you. We are your servants, Lord, and we pray that it would be done so in, in the name of Jesus. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org.